On this episode of Blue 58, let's talk about perhaps the most perplexing Packers-related question in the draft this year, the quarterback position. Should the Packers take one, and if so, when? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for a special little bonus episode of sorts. As you know, we've been doing Wednesday, Friday releases this offseason, but heading up to the draft, I figured we'd do one more. And I think it's important that we spend this entire episode talking about quarterbacks. This may be a little bit shorter than some of the other ones that we've done on draft-related stuff, and I think that's fine. In this episode, I don't want to talk specifically as much about individual players. This is all about one big question. Let's play, should the Packers draft a quarterback? I think the best way to get to an answer is to ask a bunch of questions. Trying to get to that one specific question that we just mentioned through a bunch of other questions about related things. Let's look at this as kind of a flow chart leading to an answer about what the Packers do at quarterback. And we'll start there at the very top. The most important question related to this entire bigger question is this. Do the Packers need a quarterback? And I think there are three possible answers, depending on what kind of quarterback you're asking about. Do the Packers need a starting quarterback? No. That is the obvious answer. Do the Packers need a quarterback of the future? Maybe. That kind of depends on where the future starts. Do the Packers need a backup quarterback? Almost certainly. Let's work through each of those answers. Starting quarterback is obvious. They have their starting quarterback for this year, for next year, the year after that, for the foreseeable future. But when it comes to that future, like capital F future, long-term future, Well, we're starting to get into the Aaron Rodgers-Brett Favre comparison game pretty frequently now. And that's a little bit silly, but it's not without merit either. Aaron Rodgers is not as young as he once was. And there is the idea of taking a quarterback with that future in mind. But is it worth it to try to develop a guy, though? To let a guy sit on the bench like Aaron Rodgers did for a few years? In 2019, I think probably not. Guys don't really develop that way anymore for a couple of reasons. First, I think there are just a lot more good quarterbacks coming into the NFL, and they're coming into the league as almost finished products. They're just that good. College football has gotten better. The NFL has gotten better at adopting college-style offenses. So there's a lot more guys who are able to play at an NFL level right away, and they're playing at or near the level they're going to for the duration of their career. Secondly, there's also a lot less time to develop quarterbacks. The collective bargaining agreement in 2011 dramatically limited the amount of time that people could spend practicing with their quarterbacks. Mike McCarthy's quarterback school, which more or less helped Aaron Rodgers become the player he was when he took over as the starting quarterback in 2008, has all but disappeared. That's not a thing you can really do anymore. So taking a guy from a development a developmental aspect is kind of foolish. He's probably just not going to develop all that much. But then again, having a quarterback on a rookie contract is a good idea. It's a really valuable asset to have. So if you take a guy who's good and have him around, that may be good for you in a couple ways. It's a good asset to have because having good quarterbacks is always a good idea, and it's a good trade asset you could potentially move. Bottom line though, quarterback of the future is a solid maybe still. All those things notwithstanding. Backup quarterback, though. To me, this is a slam dunk yes. The Packers need to have a good backup. 
even if you subscribe to the old Peyton Manning story that I repeat quite frequently, the we don't practice screwed mantra, that you don't worry about your backup quarterback all that much because if your number one goes guy, guy goes down, you're pretty much tanked anyway. You can alleviate, I think, some of that being screwed aspect with a decent backup quarterback. Deshaun Kaiser does not look like the answer. He couldn't th- keep things afloat for two quarters, quarter and a half when Aaron Rodgers was out last year against the Bears. He looks like a better prospect than Brett Hundley, but what does that even get you anymore? Development and all that, like we said. And Tim Boyle is still anybody's guest. What is his development track going to look like? If you can get a known-ish commodity as your number two guy, that's probably worth doing. So backup quarterback, yes, a situation where I could see the Packers drafting one this year. So we've got a solid maybe on the quarterback of the future and a solid yes at backup. That's where the Packers are going into the draft with their quarterback situation. Where then should the Packers draft a quarterback if they're going to draft one? There are first-round quarterbacks and there is everyone else. I think that should be obvious, but I think there's kind of a myth, a rather pernicious myth about uh, non-first-round quarterbacks going around. First-round quarterbacks are the quarterbacks you draft when you know you need one and you have to get one. Duh. Everyone knows that. The Packers picking Aaron Rodgers when they didn't need him was kind of an extreme outlier. and It's probably honestly going to be the last time we see something like that. It's just not really a thing that's going to happen anymore. Even Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs probably didn't have to sit out an entire year. And they took him knowing that Alex Smith was going to get moved sooner than later. But if the most valuable thing in football is a rookie quarterback on a rookie quarterback contract, why would you waste that first round rookie's contract by sitting him for three of his five years or something like that? You're burning through that asset without getting any return on it just by having him and sitting him. Most quarterbacks who are good in the NFL were drafted in the first round. I don't think that's unfair to say. Yes, believe it or not, I have heard about Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. And thanks for mentioning them. We will get to those guys in a bit. But more or less, you've got the first round guys and everybody else. The everybody else is where you're probably going to find your backup quarterback. But the everybody else is kind of a fraught proposition. You may have heard that Ron Wolf was a big fan of taking quarterbacks outside the first round. And he did it a lot. During his tenure in Green Bay... Ron Wolf drafted seven quarterbacks, all in the fourth round or later. He also traded a first-round pick for Brett Favre, but that's not drafting a quarterback. Of those seven, four of those quarterbacks started 25 or more games in the NFL. Ty Detmer, Mark Brunell, Matt Hasselbeck, and Aaron Brooks. Three of the seven never played in the NFL at all. So that's a pretty good hit rate, way above what you'd probably expect. Let's say that the Packers are looking for a guy who could be either their quarterback of the future or a long-term-ish starter. And for the sake of just defining our terms, let's say four years is long-term. That'd be 64 starts in the NFL. We can even bump it down to 60 starts. How many quarterbacks like that have been selected outside the first round? Since 1999, 191 quarterbacks have been selected outside of the first round. Of those, since 1999, only 14 have started 60 games or more. Dak Prescott and Nick Foles are probably going to get there next year, 
But as it stands right now, just over 7% of quarterbacks taken outside the first round are going to get to 60 games. Those are your long-term starters. Those are your developmental prospects who turn into guys that can start at the NFL level who weren't good enough, perceived as good enough at the time to get taken in the first round. Of course, that list of 14 quarterbacks does include Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson. But the rest of the list is a lot less exciting. Names like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Mark Bulger, Matt Schaub, Aaron Brooks, who we've already talked about, Kyle Orton, Matt Castle, Derek Carr, Josh McCown, David Garrard, even Kirk Cousins. That's not the most thrilling list in the world. You can win with some of those guys. You're not going to be super excited going into any season with any of those guys as your starting quarterback. I think we should really push back hard against the idea of getting a long-term answer for the Packers at quarterback outside the first round. All those guys would be pretty okay stop uh, as spot starters, but let's not worry about getting a developmental long-term prospect outside the first. Chances are if the Packers are looking for a quarterback and they're not taking one in the first round, they're going to get a guy who's more likely of the career backup sort of flavor. So that leaves us to circle all the way back to where we started, kind of two branches on our flow chart right now, both working under the assumption that the Packers will draft a quarterback. Branch number one, they spend fewer draft resources and take a quarterback whose ceiling is probably career backup at best. That's fine if you're looking for a backup, but if the Packers are thinking quarterback of the future, that's tough. Branch number two is spend a lot more resource-wise on a quarterback and maybe get somebody with higher upside. Let's look at each of those branches. Branch number one, who should the Packers draft if they want to get a solid backup? The answer here is fairly simple. Pick the best guy you can get outside the first round, and there's probably your long-term backup. He may never develop into a starter, but he'll probably be okay enough if you get a good one to fill in as needed. As we've laid out, starting quarterbacks really don't pop up super regularly outside the first round, so setting the bar at career backup is probably okay. This year, there are a couple guys I like as non-first-round quarterbacks. Daniel Jones out of Duke is one borderline first-round type guy, probably a second-rounder at best. Packers tried to meet with Daniel Jones. He's described by The Athletic as a B-tier starting quarterback at best. Lance Zerline puts it perfectly. He appears to be more of a game manager than a franchise talent. That said, he's got pretty good size at 6'5", 221. He played at Duke, so your mileage may vary. According to Dane Brugler of The Athletic, he's the number 50 prospect in the draft. So if you take him in the second round, you're probably spending a little bit more than you'd probably like. He's probably a borderline day two, day three type prospect. Then you've got Brett Rippon out of Boise State. A little bit on the smaller side at 6'2", 203. That's not small per se, but it trends smaller than most NFL quarterbacks. Tell me his scouting report from NFL.com doesn't sound exactly like a perennial, won't screw it up for you type backup. Quote, light on measurables, but high on intangibles, Rippon's lack of size, mobility, and NFL arm talent makes it unlikely he'll ever become a serviceable starter. What has a chance to save him is his football intelligence, accuracy, and consistency. He stepped right in as a freshman and proved he could not only survive, but thrive and grow. A troubling number of interceptions were due to the lack of arm strength, so he needs to find a timing-based passing game in order to find a home as a back-end backup. End quote. To me, that sounds exactly like the kind of guy who, if you need to for a week or two, you scheme up a 
plan that works exactly for the skills that he does have. Say, don't screw it up, run the ball a lot, and try to get out there stealing one, maybe two games. There may be other guys out there, but that's not really the point of this. We're looking at archetypes here. Branch number two, though. Let's go all in. If the Packers are looking to get their quarterback of the future, who should they get? Well, this gets disappointing really fast if you think the Packers actually need to take a quarterback high enough that they get their quarterback of the future. Because again, we're talking first rounders here. And who are the first round quarterbacks? I think there's three consensus guys. Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, and Drew Locke out of Missouri. Who of those are likely to be available at 12 or 30? Well, Kyler Murray's not going to be there at 12 or 30. Uh, There is an outside possibility that he could fall to 12, but it looks extremely, extremely unlikely. Dwayne Haskins is a maybe at 12, almost certainly not at 30. Drew Locke is almost certainly going to be there at 12, and he may be there at 30. I would say even probably. So just from a draft pick perspective, should the Packers spend the 12th pick on a quarterback? Almost certainly not. Picking at 12 is for people who don't have quarterbacks. And if you're taking a quarterback there, you're probably thinking, yeah, we need this guy to start right away. And the Packers have one. You may have heard of him. I think we mentioned him earlier. That leaves us with pick number 30. And that also leaves us pretty much with just Drew Locke, the only quarterback who is consistently viewed as a first-round prospect, so he meets the criteria for quarterback of the future type, and who is likely to be available at number 30. So is Drew Locke worth taking at number 30? Well, that's kind of what this all comes down to. If the Packers are looking for a backup, you're probably not going to take Drew Locke anyway. If they're looking for a quarterback of the future, Drew Locke seems like the only option. And is he worth taking at 30? If you work through all the other questions and conclude that, yes, the Packers should take a quarterback, and that quarterback is one who needs to go in the first round, Drew Locke is the answer. So what's the story on Drew Locke? Well, the short scouting report is this. He's got good size, a good arm, and makes bad decisions from time to time. Here's the longer breakdown. The overview says this, quote, He has it all physically, but has a long way to go before he's ready to lead an NFL offense. He's played in a spread offense and will have to learn to take snaps from under center and make progressions in the pocket. However, he is a smart football player that seems to understand coverages and has the arm strength to fit the ball into tight windows, end quote. Strengths, again, quoting from NFL.com, quote, prototypical size and excellent speed for the position, shows the ability to make the right pre-snap reads, possesses a quick release, and has the arm strength to make all the throws, end quote. Weaknesses, too, pretty well-defined. Quote, trusts his arm too much and puts the ball in harm's way too often. Does not show good touch on passes over the middle and needs to learn to take a little velocity off certain throws. Struggles to throw an accurate deep ball, end quote. I realize one scouting report is not the be-all, end-all, but does that sound like the kind of guy you'd want to spend a first-round pick on? I'm not so sure. Does that sound like the kind of guy who would develop? You need time to figure out how to learn how to read a defense. Are you going to do that sitting on the bench or in the NFL that doesn't really allow quarterbacks to practice super in-depth anymore? I'm not super sure. It's kind of a concerning picture overall. And it's even more concerning when I make a confession to you. None of that scouting report stuff was from Drew Locke's scouting report. It's all taken from the scouting report of another first-round quarterback who went to Missouri, Blaine Gabbard. I think Blaine Gabbard is a useful comparison. 
Lyclock, he's a big-bodied, big-armed quarterback. Lyclock, he is likely, or he was likely, to be the third quarterback taken in a relatively weak quarterback class. And Lyclock, he was probably a little bit overdrafted just because he was a quarterback. All of those things are likely to be what happened to Drew Locke. And that's kind of the real problem. Here's the bottom line on quarterbacks. The worst thing you can do is talk yourself into a quarterback just because you feel like you need one. Everyone who doesn't have a quarterback is desperate to get one. But just because you need one doesn't mean you have to go out of your way to take the very next quarterback who becomes available. That's especially true for the Packers. Someday they will need a successor to Aaron Rodgers, but that day is not today. Unless they really believe that whoever is available at number 30 is their next Hall of Fame quarterback, they should probably pass. And seeing who's likely to be available at 30, it's hard to believe they are really going to think that's the case. Just one man's opinion, but we'll see for sure later this week. That's all I've got for you on this episode. I'm not going to do the whole play you out stuff because you know where to find us on the internet and uh, wherever you need to get in touch with us. Uh, we will see you on Wednesday to do our final preview. What are the Packers going to do this year in the NFL draft? Until then, thank you very much for listening. I've been your host, John Meerdink. Do your best to be a smarter Packers fan this week.